And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Ladies and gentlemen, the time has come. What's better than this? Guys being dudes. The Athletic presents Hogan Johns. Hoge. 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 It's Adam Ho, and from The Athletic, it's Adam Johns. It's one of the craziest games that I've covered live. That crazy for me. I feel like, how many times a season do we say that? Yeah, but this one, like, I know. In the red zone. I'm I'm not disputing what you're saying. I'm just like, how does this franchise keep doing this? Anyway, uh, who cares? Here they are, the Adams, Hogan Johns. What is up? Welcome in... Happy Hanukkah. Merry Christmas. We're getting uh, into the crux of it. There's snow on the way. It's going to be freezing, freaking Lots cold. Lots of snow. Is it, though? I kind of already am looking at the weather app, and it's like <laughs> yesterday it said 5 to 8. Now it's like 3 to 5. Is this going to be one of those classic? And then, like, and then you see like the European model on like Channel 5, and they're like 16 inches of snow. You're like, oh, crap. <laughs> Come on. This happens. Every- I'm calling BS on this. This happens the first snowfall every year. Everyone gets so excited about it, and then like you go outside and it's like, okay, I can use a. I don't know if I'm getting excited about it. I'm getting like, oh, get my shovel ready. Make sure I get the gas ready for the snowblower. You know who I'm? One car in the garage. I'm gonna call Paul Conrad. He'll he'll see. The thing I love about Paul is is he just he just you know. I don't know if he even cares about weather. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> but like, he's not going to blow it up into something. It's really not. Um, and we should get him on the podcast sometime. That actually be funny. Um, anyway, I don't know. I'm, I'm calling a little bit BS on the, on the uh, snow. I'm not sure this is going to be snow Mageddon, but it seems pretty certain we're going to be freezing our asses off on Christmas. Yeah. Well, not if you're inside. Right. But uh, the game, you know, the Bears play the Bills on Saturday. I'm not sure if you're aware. I, I was about to say, you know who's going to be really prepared for this is the Buffalo Bills because I feel like they've had like five games like this already this season Yeah, where they're it, snowed out, moving to Detroit, playing in the snow. Snowballs are being thrown at the Miami Dolphins. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think uh, Detroit has seen a, um, a, a loss from... Well, I guess they played each other, so there was a technically a loss for the Lions, but I guess what I was trying to say in some weird way is either the Lions or Bills have won at Ford Field every week since, like, I don't know, November? Early November? Because okay. the Lions the Lions are 6-1 and one in their last seven. Their only loss was to the Bills. And there the was Bills, that, like, one stat that, that was after, like, the Bills won there. I want to say it was probably that CBS Sports account goes back to back home team wins at Ford Field for the first time since like 1997. I'm completely yeah. exaggerating that, but I feel like I saw that stat somewhere. Well, but now the Lions the- have won what six in a row, seven in yeah. a row. Shout out to the Bears; they fixed the Lions again. Good job, good job. And I'll, I'm riding the Lions again this week. Lions and Bengals all the way, baby. All right, um, not all the way. 
I don't think the Lions. The Lions might not even make the playoffs, but you know what I'm talking about. They've been very uh, good entertaining. To, yeah, entertaining and a good team to pick uh, recently. Anyway, welcome in. Follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, at Adam Johns. You can read uh, Johnsy on The Athletic, theathletic.com slash Hogan Johns. You can read me, all CHGO.com. New uh, newsletter dropping in your inbox tomorrow morning if you are a CHGO diehard. So uh, go sign up if you're not already signed up. You can get that. Um, gift subscription. Are the Athletic doing the gift subscriptions this year? They are. Okay. They are. So so you can get them both. You got CHGO. You got the Athletic. You're run, you're like me right now. You're scrambling to go to Target today. You say screw that. Just go uh, on theAthletic.com or all CHGO and you know give a gift. Give, and give and I believe next week there's actually another great subscriber deal. So if you're still on the fence, stay tuned for that one as well. Got some good yeah. things coming up. Um, all right. Well, we have a, a fun episode planned today for you. So, obviously, a lot of fans, rightly so, already have their eyes set on the NFL draft. And um, the Bears locking down this number two pick in the next three weeks. Um, <laughs> the worst they can do, even if they win, Johns, is to be in the top four. Yes. If they Which win one good. game. Yes. Yeah. So, I get it. And here's the cool thing, because the best college football games of the season are coming up here right around New Year's. You got some good bowl games. You got the college football playoff, semifinals. And if you go look at Dane Brugler's mock draft on The Athletic, which you should be reading, it's really good. There's so many good players, especially from the SEC, that uh, are going to be playing in these games. So it's a good opportunity to get some... Uh, instead of having to go back and watch all those YouTube videos in, in March, you can watch these guys now. And so we thought it'd be a good idea to get someone on who could tell us about these players, somebody who covers these players. This Will Anderson, Jalen Carter debate. Let's get someone on the pod who knows them, who's covered them, who's seen them up close many, many times over the last couple of years. Um, so that's kind of the crux of this episode today. We're going to have David Ubbin, who is a college football writer for The Athletic, does a great job. He's going to jump on here and tell us all about these guys. Um, and uh, hopefully it will serve sort of as a preview for our listeners, viewers, to watch these games uh, in the next couple weeks to get some eyes on possible picks for the Bears. Let's do it. Let's jump in. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Cool. I thought you were going to say something. I got nothing. No. All I, right. I'm in draft form, baby. Already? Okay. Draft season. Can, is the Adam Johns mock draft 1.0 coming out? No, 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 no. I, I like to get through the actual football season before we get to that insanity. Yeah. Well, it's Not coming. I didn't like Dane's work, but I want to see things play out. Some finality. Right. Well, let's learn some things. David Ubbin jumping on the pod right now. Okay, well, with the Bears currently slated for the number two overall pick, it's like, who cares about these last three games, right? That seems to be the general uh, attitude of the Bears fandom right now, I guess, unless it costs them draft position, right? Um, so we thought it'd be cool with Christmas coming up and uh, our midweek episode this week to go to someone who knows a lot more about these, especially SEC prospects right now than we do uh, before we dive into all this more, you know, in the winter and the spring. But uh, David Ubbin covers the, 
well, he covers all of college football for The Athletic. He's a re- really good writer for The Athletic, and you should check him out. Uh, read his work on theathletic.com slash Hogan Johns, but also follow him on Twitter at David Ubben, U-B-B-E-N. David, thanks for jumping on with us. We appreciate you taking time. I know um, you know things are probably getting busy here with the uh, bowl season, getting to the uh, the better part of the bowl season and the college football playoff coming up, but thank you for jumping on. Yeah, thanks, guys. Appreciate you having me. It's uh uh, it's always interesting. Uh, I feel like a lot of college football people, we kind of feel like proud parents passing on these players <laughs> that we've loved watching to, to NFL people and uh, and seeing seeing where they go and seeing what it looks like. I think um, it's always an unpredictable, uh, uh, you know, exercise to see where, you know, what, what first-round guys look like and, you know, how much does the situation you're drafted into influence your outcome and, it's always fascinating seeing the translation from from college to pro and guys that didn't impress us in college become stars in the NFL and guys that, you know, were can't miss prospects in, in college, you know, sort of flame out in the NFL. It's pretty unpredictable. So I, I'm fascinated by the draft personally. So the Bears have the second overall pick as of today, 9.39 a.m. here in Chicago, 12.20, a few days before Christmas. And... You're looking at Will Anderson or Jalen Carter, maybe franchise-changing defensive players. If you're the Bears, who are you? Who who are you taking in terms of those two? Like, who's the better player in your opinion? Well, I mean, they're pretty similar. I think ultimately, uh, it depends on what you want and what you need. I mean, I think from the Bears' perspective, Jalen Carter is just an offensive line crater creator, basically. Like, he just will collapse everything and just a force of nature. Will Anderson can do that obviously more as an edge rusher. Uh, you know, he was the most disruptive guy that we've seen in college football the last couple of years. And and his numbers were down this year, not really because of anything he did, but just when you're getting two and three blockers thrown at you, you're getting chipped by tight ends and linebackers all the time. Your numbers are going to dip a little bit. And he was still, you know, top 10 in, in, uh, in sacks and tackles for loss. And still obviously recognized he won the Nagurski award for a second consecutive season. I think Jalen Carter, he was not far from my Heisman ballot, personally. Uh, I think he he just missed three or four games, I think, and, and that uh, was a big reason why I didn't have him on there. But ultimately, I don't think either of those guys you can go wrong with. I think it depends on what do you need more. Do you need somebody to collapse the pocket and help you stuff the run with Jalen Carter? I mean, his strength and and uh, and ability obviously are are unmatched in the sport right now or you know a guy like will anderson who can overwhelm you on the edge and and disrupt and, and get after the passer i think it just sort of breaks down with, with what do you feel like is more valuable for your defensive line or your defensive front at the time uh, I, I don't know how much will anderson can drop into coverage and into a ton of that um at alabama i mean they sort of just brought him uh off the edge pretty consistently but it sort of comes down to what, what do you think the team needs more? What if I told you they needed both? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I think and then more of that too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's it's uh, you know, in in college football, certainly, you know, the the old adage is, you know, can you score and can you get after the passer, and if you can do those two things, you're in good shape. But then, of course, there's the idea, maybe slightly archaic, that hey, if you can't stop the run, you can't do anything. Um, so. You know, maybe they can pull a trade and just get both of them. (laughs) Maybe. Um, Trust me, that's being discussed, at least from the fans, even if it's not that realistic. Um, 
is Jalen Carter somebody who can still uh, from the inside shoot gaps and get after the 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 quarterback too? I mean, because you know it, the the Bears defense kind of relies on a on a three technique that you know, can not only s- collapse the pocket like you talked about Jalen Carter can do, and but really shoot gaps um, and and get after the quarterback as well. Yeah, I mean, I think it's sort of – he can, certainly. I think we've we've seen enough of that. But in, in Georgia's scheme, I don't think they necessarily ask him to do that a ton. I think he, he – it's a lot you know, more about, hey, you know, maintain uh, uh, your, your, your gap integrity, obviously, and don't, uh, you know, get too far upfield, obviously. Um, and I think it just depends on, on what you need him to do. I, I think ultimately when you watch him play and you watch him move the way that he can move at his size, I mean – I, I was always intrigued. I talked to two coaches in the SEC this offseason. Well, one on the offseason, one uh, later in the season, who both told me that they thought Jalen Carter was the best player on Georgia's defense last year, which featured five first-round picks, Nicobe Dean, Jordan Davis, um, you know, obviously, uh, uh, you know, Javon Walker, all those guys. Big-time talents, big-time draft picks. And they feel like Jalen Carter was better. And, and the main criticism of, te- of Georgia's defense this year is just they lacked the star power. They were still great. But they didn't have the same star power that they did from, from a year ago. Now, at the time, I kind of was wondering, but if you look at some of the cut-ups and, and the things that, that Jalen Carter can do, he can do everything. And I think one of the lasting images of his entire season is, for whatever it's worth, him sacking the quarterback. And not only sacking Jaden Daniels in the SEC Championship, but literally – hoisting him up with one hand and I was talking to uh I can't remember which Georgia player it was it might have been Smile Munden uh I can't remember uh which player it was but I was asking what, what he thought about that and he said hey I told you that boy just different that boy just different who does that uh I had never seen that before uh and I think uh you know I don't think Jalen Carter is going to get a statue outside of Stanford Stadium uh, but I wish he did because then we could have him hoisting Jade Daniels as the, <laughs> the knockout candidate for uh, for a statue outside the stadium. Then, like, then he like gave like the number one pick salute, or you know, he put his number one up there. That's <laughs> that, that, that's something uh, special there. Um, so last year there was gotta, three edge rushers. Real quick though, like, real quick, Johns, I gotta laugh though, like. People talking about and, and not you, David. I know you were just kind of referencing some of the other criticism, but it's like Georgia doesn't have the star power. And then I look at Dane Brugler's mock draft, and like once again, they have like five first round picks. Yeah, like, yeah, this, it's ridiculous. I think part of it. I mean, for one, it's a testament to Kirby Smart's recruiting and development that he can do this. Um, you know, I, I, I think uh, Georgia. You look at you talk to people around college football. Georgia has kind of replaced Alabama as the standard. Can they continue that forever or in perpetuity? We'll see. But certainly, um, you know, the fact that they could lose as much as they did last year and only fall back from one of the best college football defenses, you know, in the history of the sport to merely the best defense in the of, of the season of that year is unbelievable to lose that amount of talent and still be able to do that um, because it really was just plug and play. You add a couple freshmen in there. Um, and I think it speaks to what they're taught, the culture of the program, all of those things. Like I think people watch it and they're like, well, they've recruited really well. Okay. I, I think if that was so easy, more, more teams would do it. I think people underestimate how hard it was to do what Georgia did this year to lose all that and then obviously still be uh, fielding the kind of defense that they fielded. It's um, you know, it's amazing, but I think ultimately 
for for better or worse, I think it, it comes down to from their defense. They didn't have the same sort of uh, I wouldn't say viral clips, but just like wow plays. Like Malachi Starks, their freshman uh, corner, he was making the wow plays. But I think you didn't see like Nicobe Dean chasing down a ball carrier from like 40 yards on the other side of the field or Jordan Davis, you know, scoring a touchdown or, uh, you know, just doing insane stuff, you know, and being just a massive human being at like 350 pounds and be able to move the way that he did. Even though, like I said, there are certainly coaches who believe Jalen Carter was better last year and then he's had another year inside the system and, and in college football. So, you know, I, I think it's going to be really interesting. I, I, you know, you, to go back to you guys' original question, though, I think when you're, you're talking about Jalen Carter, you're talking about Will Anderson. It's hard for me to imagine a scenario in which the, both of those guys are not wildly successful wherever they go, just because they can do things that you can't really do. And then you combine the size and the strength and the ability and obviously the pedigree and, you know, Nick Saban, Kirby Smart. I mean, I don't know who else you'd want to be coached by if you're a defender in college football for three years. So uh, exciting talents, ultimately. How how would you compare Will Anderson to the the three defensive ends, the edge edge, edge guys that went top five last year? Uh, I mean, I, I think certainly Will Anderson, if he had been able to come out last year, probably would have gone above those guys. I mean, the um, the amount of production that he had last year, I don't even know what it was. It was like thirty five tackles. It was insane. Lot. It's insane. It was ridiculous. It was one of the best defensive. Um, uh, seasons we've seen in the sport. And he was getting double teams last year as well. I think teams really focused in on him even more um, this year. Um, I think ultimately, you know, I'd have to look at the measurements, but Will Anderson is just a – he's a big dude, and I think the strength, I'd like to see what their bench numbers are. I think we'll see what that looks like at the combine. Just me guessing, I would feel like Will Anderson is probably stronger than those guys. Um, I think you see him just manhandle people and then he can run around guys. If he needs to, he can really do everything. Um, but I think if you can just to have that kind of season, like there are so few guys that can even do that. And you're looking at, you know, in Alabama history, the only guy that's got more sacks than him is Derek Thomas, who, you know, he had a pretty good career too. Yeah. So like, <laughs> just for you to have that kind of production and not only that, but to play so early in your career at Alabama and, and play and gain the kind of respect that Will Anderson did. And then, of course, you know, a two-time Nagurski winner um, as the best defensive player in the sport. That's – I mean, it's some special stuff. So I, I think, you know, we can talk about flawed voting methods and, and why Jalen Carter didn't get the same love. But uh, ultimately, that is an incredible accomplishment and, and you know, something we haven't seen in the sport, you know, since 1996. So – uh, I, again, I, I keep going back to these two guys are clearly special, and I think whatever you whatever you get, you're you're they're really you know it's hard for again it's hard for me to see them not having wild success at the next level, just considering all of the things that they can do. Well, before we move on to some of the other um, players from the SEC who who could potentially be uh, in play later in the first round, I, I you know if the Bears end up with the number two pick, they are guaranteed their pick between. Jalen Carter and Will Anderson, um, or at least getting one of them. There's an assumption that Bryce Young goes number one overall to the Houston Texans already, um, which would then allow the Bears to really choose between the two of them. Although, uh, I don't know, with Lovey Smith, to me, it's like never count out the defensive player. Um, regardless, give me your thoughts on Bryce Young. Is he worth the number one overall pick? And uh, I did find it interesting and appreciated that he's playing in the bowl game 
um, despite his status of potentially going number one. And I love the you know what he had to say about it too. Mm-hmm. I think there is some uh, some insurance stuff going on with that stuff that helps him make sure. that decision. I think, mm-hmm. but ultimately, yeah, I think that's for me. I, there's gonna there's a lot of Bryce Young. I wouldn't say skepticism, but just well, he's not how you draw it up because he's not six four and he's not two hundred and thirty pounds. Um, but ultimately, for me. Bryce would be the first guy that I would take off the board uh, at a quarterback. Even some of the guys that are coming back, you know, there's a lot of talk about. Obviously, you know, Drake May is a guy that that that, that people are, are you know enjoying. He does have more of that prototype, but for me, it comes down to can you process and can you be accurate? And he doesn't, you know, Bryce Young has he puts a lot of loss on the ball. There's a lot of pop on the ball. I don't know that he's going to uncork an 85 yard, you know. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, you know, Josh Allen bomb. I don't know that he has that kind of arm strength. There's no questions about his arm strength. The ball comes out. He can get a, He can do everything you want him to do. But I think for me, Alabama put so much on him this year, way more than last year. They had a lot less talent um, uh, at the receiver position. Guys were struggling to get open. And he has a sixth sense just in the pocket that he, he, he can escape. Uh, he can extend plays, and his sort of signature throughout his career is that he is really mobile, but he doesn't really want to use his legs to run. He uses his legs to extend the plays to allow himself to make a throw, to change the angles, to ask, you know, can corners cover my guys for six, seven seconds? That's asking a lot, and he did that a lot at Alabama, and that's why he put up the kind of numbers that he did, and I think, you know, <sighs> I would argue that he was more impressive this season than he was last year because his offensive line really probably got worse from last year to this year. So, you know, he's well-versed in that lifestyle, which he'll be living at the next level of running for his life. We saw a lot of that this year. Um, You know, I think you're going to see Alabama make a change, an offensive line coach there. Uh, He didn't have the receiver talent this year. You know, he's not throwing – Alabama's been a receiver factory for five or six years. I I forget the numbers of first-round picks. I think they had – I want to say seven in four years, something like that. They don't have that guy on this roster. He does not exist. Uh, And still, Bryce was able to make some plays. Alabama, they're a seven- or eight-win team without him this year. Um, And he he absolutely – made some spectacular plays, kept them in games, uh, won them some games. And I think you, you, you go and look at, at what he can do. Again, I think it comes down to processing and accuracy. He makes the right decision. You don't see him do – I mean, he's, he's been a starter for two years. I've watched a lot of Bryce Young. I've never seen him make a throw where you're just like, what did he see? What did he? What is he doing as a first-year starter? And when a guy is open, he's putting it on him every time. I mean, the accuracy is unbelievable. I think that's what makes him really special. And if you can do those two things, I mean, I always say, you know, if Chad Pennington can make a living in the NFL for 10 years with whatever he was doing, yeah. you know, Bryce Young obviously has a lot better tools, but he has that processing ability and he has that accuracy. And if you can do that, I don't really care that you're maybe not six foot tall and, you know, pretty slight. He doesn't take a lot of big hits. He's smart. Uh, he understands that he's, he's done put himself in jeopardy. Um, and that's, you know, that, that ultimately can give you some, some lasting power in the NFL. And again, Bryce, and also good leadership qualities, zero knucklehead factor. Like, you know, I think when you have all of that, another guy that I'll be shocked if he's not wildly successful, wherever he ends up, uh, which seemingly would be Houston. So let's say Houston does take Bryce Young and mm-hmm. Ryan Poles' phone is going crazy now at the second overall pick. Team's looking for a quarterback. Which quarterback, like, 
do you think that could be? I'm looking at Will Levis right now from Kentucky. I feel like every year there's a quarterback now that it's overdrafted just because there's like two drafts. There's the draft for everybody else, and there's a draft for quarterbacks. Teams get desperate. Yeah. Like what? What? What do you like about Levis? Could he be that guy that forces conversations, forces trades to happen at the second overall pick? Well, I mean, Levis is probably the most polarizing prospect in college football um, right now. There's a lot of people because for for two years, people, college football fans have been hearing this. Well, Will Levis is a first round prospect, first round prospect, first round prospect. And then you watch him. The numbers don't wow you. He makes some very curious decisions. I mean, he's I as much, I've seen a lot of Will Levis the last couple of years and I probably twice a game. He throws a ball where you're just like. Where, where were you going with that? But then, obviously, absolute howitzer on his arm. Um, the, 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 the measurables that you want. A bigger body. Uh, he probably – his personality is, you know, depending on your perspective, he's the guy – like, so, you know, when Bryce is, is scrambling for a six-yard run, he's going to want to step out of bounds and avoid the hit. Levis – when he's scrambling for a six-yard run, he's going to want to lower the shoulder and run over whoever's there, whether that's a 300-pound lineman, a 240-pound linebacker, or a 190-pound quarterback. He's going to want to run over that guy. What do you want in your in your uh, in your franchise? Because that's that's who Will Levis is, and I think there's a level of can you get that out of a guy? I, I'm not so sure that you can. Bryce is more obviously. Uh, he seems more mindful of hey, is it worth? Giving my shoulder a, 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 a additional mileage um, for this extra two yards, probably not. Will Levis maybe wants to send a message to the defense, like, hey, I'm coming. Like, And so the accuracy, there's some questions there. But again, you know, it, with, with Levis, it's always been about the tools because you watch him and you see him make these throws and you see the velocity that he has on his ball. It's ridiculous i mean his arm strength is unreal um and he can make you know everything every single throw that you'd want and you know three or four times a game he's making a throw that just leaves you in awe and then you know he's making a couple throws that leave you in awe of what did i just witness why did you make that throw and then you look at the numbers you know that's a problem i think one of the biggest things that people really liked and and we're projecting is that he's been playing in the in, in the hottest offense in football. You know the Kyle Shanahan, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know eleven personnel, all that stuff, all those same concepts. Um, the, the the Sean McVay sort of stuff. They hired Liam Cohen at at uh, Kentucky. Uh, he left, obviously, went back to the NFL. This year it didn't go well with Rich Scangarello. Um, they brought Liam Cohen back. But obviously he spent two seasons in that offense. So when you're walking into the NFL, you understand a lot of those concepts. You understand a lot of the verbiage. You're used to making the reads. And that was a big selling point. And one of the reasons why he was really excited about you know being in Kentucky is that you walk in the NFL and you sort of have this jump on the offense. Whereas in a lot of you know, a lot of places you're coming out of college and having to learn a different offense. You've learned, you know, you've spent two years learning Japanese and now you've got to go learn French. Can you do that? Sometimes I get lost in translation. That was not going to be the case for him. So it's complicated arithmetic with Will Levis. Uh, he's a guy that, you know, if he becomes the next Josh Allen, I think I wouldn't be surprised if he is, you know, a career backup and out of the league in four or five years. I can't say that I would be completely shocked because the decision-making has always left you wondering, like, 
what's going on there. He threw way too many picks uh, and probably should have thrown more when you look at his games. Uh, so, you know, he's a he seems like a boomer bust guy to me, um, and it's 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 pretty dangerous. We'll see. There's uh that's really good stuff. There's a lot of uh, SEC names in Dane Brugler's first mock draft in the first round. I'm not going to ask you to go through all of them, but it, <laughs> is, th- does anybody stand out to you as somebody that you feel like, yeah, that that, that player is going to be pretty good? I mean, there's like Ringo the corner at Georgia. A uh, couple polarizing egg- product. <laughs> What's that? Another polarizing guy for sure. Okay. Um, yeah, there's a bunch of corners. Uh, South Carolina's got a corner in Cam Smith. Um, there's some edge guys. Florida uh, is J- Jared Verse and uh, Nolan Smith from Georgia. I mean, any of these guys kind of stand out to you as, as somebody you're like, yeah, that, that could be somebody that, that I feel like is going to be a pretty damn good player. I mean, I, for me, I, 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 it's, it's maybe oversimplistic, but I, I think when you look at the guys coming out of Georgia and Alabama, I think it's just different because, you know, Nick Saban talks about it from time to time. But I, there is an unbelievable value in the practices being harder than the games. And everybody that comes out of Georgia and Alabama says the same thing because the amount of talent that is on that roster, you're going up against five stars constantly, guys that have like NFL bodies. And so, you know, when you're talking about, you know, uh, uh, whether that's a Keely Ringo, whether that's a, a Broderick Jones, any of those guys coming out of Georgia, Brian Branches, those big time guys out of Georgia and Alabama. I mean, the, the track record with those guys is pretty good. And I think it's because obviously they have been in that system. They've been in that program for a long time. And I think that they're a little bit more used to going up against when you're going and playing against, you know, when you're at a uh, South Carolina or at, you know, uh, you know, Kentucky or whatever, you're not going up against another five-star in practice every single day. Uh, the practices probably not as hard as games. You're going to go up against better players a lot of Saturdays, um, but you're rarely when you're at Georgia, Alabama going to go up against better players on Saturdays than you are the other four days of the week or the two days of the week you're in full pads or whatever. Uh, and so that I think is a big reason why you see so much success and so much correlation between those guys. There's a reason why when guys are looking at, Hey, when I want to go to the next level, Georgia and Alabama are, you know, on the top of everybody's list. It's not just because they win. It's because they turn out NFL talent, NFL picks, NFL stars, all of those things. So, you know, I, I personally think Keely Ringo is a really good prospect that, that stands out to me, but I think any of those guys coming out of there, you know, it's it's sort of oversimplistic, but it's the same thing as like people who go to uh, you know really good J schools when they come out of college. It's like the the people that are making the decisions and are trying to make hires or draft picks, they know what you've been taught, they know what it's like inside your program, and they can have a little bit more trust and they can feel pretty good that you're going to turn out. And I think you're going to see that uh, when you have guys coming from Georgia, Alabama. You don't see a ton of busts from those two programs, and I think that there's a bunch of reasons why. So if I'm looking for a low risk, which, you know, if I was a GM, that would kind of be, you know, my sort of MO is like who presents us with the lowest amount of risk. I'm, I'm leaning against those guys that come from those kinds of programs. Who's the best receiver this year coming out of the uh, SEC? Oh man, that's a good question. Uh, I, so for me, I, I would have a lot of questions about, uh, Jalen Hyatt, just because obviously the size is part of it, right? The size, he's slight. But I think the bigger thing for me when you look at Jalen Hyatt is 
like that translation between the the Baylor offense that Tennessee runs. If you look at the NFL pedigree of that system, it's not great because their route tree is way, way, way simple. And a lot of those guys have struggled. I mean, the list of guys is a mile long. You know, uh, Kendall Wright, Corey Coleman, all these guys that come into the league and have struggled out of that offense. There's not a lot of guys that have done great. Um, and then, of course, the size bump. Now, he can fly. There's no question about that. But in the NFL, it's a lot about can you get open? Um, can you run the route tree? And, and we didn't see a ton of that. He's a lot of running by people. And wherever he goes in the NFL, that's not going to be uh, his offense. This was a pretty lean year, honestly. Um, I, I was think thinking that, yeah. Yeah, the best receivers are probably coming back. You know, I'm sitting here, you know, looking at the list now, and, and none of the – all the guys that really impressed you are, are coming back. I thought Keishon Booty was was – probably the best guy, you know, or on the short list of the best guys in the SEC. And he's obviously coming back. But, I mean, you look at it, I I, I don't see anybody in here that I really would buy as a big-time guy at the next level coming out of the SEC um, that, that really Im- impressed me that's going into the draft. Like I said, the best guys are coming back or are in the transfer portal. Um, so I, I, if, I'm, if I'm looking at it, I, I, am, I am probably very uh, – nervous about taking an sec receiver because this was, was not a great year for the sec yeah i got receiver. i got one name outside the sec quentin johnson from tcu stud uh again i think you're gonna have a lot to learn in a new offense but the big body be able to make contested catches i mean the, here's the thing like the max duggan stuff so i made tcu fans mad i did not vote for max duggan for the heisman and the biggest reason why was that i felt like he was the third best player on his offense the first best player on DCU's offense is Quentin Johnson. <laughs> like you watch him, and you're like that guy is an absolute baller. Uh, and when you have big receivers that can run, and the most frustrating thing for me in college football is when you have big receivers that don't know that they're huge. <laughs> like they just play small. <laughs> Listen, Quentin Johnson will bully you, uh, and and he will make defensive backs know, hey, I'm a lot taller than you. I'm a lot bigger than you. You're gonna have to come bring it. And I think that is a really powerful quality in receivers. He'll have to learn a lot at the next level. Sonny Dyke's offense, I don't know how much that's going to translate at the next level, but I like his route running ability. I like the contested catches. I like the size, the speed. For me, he's the guy that that I would really buy at the next level. Yeah, I I, I like watching him, and uh, we'll see him in the college football playoff as well. Mm-hmm. So, um David, really appreciate all this insight. It's great. I know. I know it feels early for the NFL draft, but uh, <laughs> it's kind of cool because there's still a bunch of game. There's still at least you know the bowl games and the college football playoff to watch a lot of these guys. So we just want to make sure that uh, the Bears fans that are kind of already looking at this stuff knew who to be watching uh, as these games arrive here in the next couple weeks. So thank you so much for jumping on again, uh, David Ubbin, the college football writer for the athletic Follow him on Twitter at David Ubbin. And you can also hear him on the football and grits podcast as well, which would be a great listen here, uh, especially as the college football season winds down. Thanks so much, David. Thank you guys. Appreciate it. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone. Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.
And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. All right, John Z, uh, biggest takeaways from talking to David there. It was actually something that, that you said there, my podcast partner. Lovey Smith in Houston. Like, how much power does he have over personnel decisions, especially when it comes to the first overall pick? Yeah. You know he would love himself a three technique, an edge rusher like Julius Peppers, three technique like Tommy Harris, if not even better. What if Lovey Smith has the strongest say, or at least still a strong influence there in Houston? Because I don't, I don't. It's a messed up team. We don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we don't. It, know. Uh, the whole organization's a little, yeah, yeah, yeah. wacko. We, it, Although they did give, they did finally get rid of that. Uh, that the priest, uh, the priest, the priest guy, <laughs> who apparently was the team president. Yeah, he's gone. Um, I'm blanking on his name. I'm thinking. Yeah, I'm blanking of the- on his. I honestly don't want to remember his name. Some of that stuff was just wild that he was involved in. So look, Nick Casario's still the GM there, and and. Uh, but what if he's not sold on a Bryce Young? What if he doesn't have the right measurables for him? Yeah. I, 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 I I do think it is worth discussing that I don't know that it's maybe it's ninety percent likely they take a quarterback, but I don't know that it's a hundred percent. At least right now where we stand. It's just something yeah, to keep yeah, in, in mind. Common sense says you should take a quarterback. But this is the Houston Texans we're talking about. Right. And if they think Will Anderson is the next coming of Someone even better than Julius Peppers. J.J. Watt, since they had J.J. there. Yeah. Someone that special. Although J.J. went, what, 16th overall or something like that? What was Peppers? Peppers was like number two. Right? John Fox, Carolina Panthers? Yeah, that was a long time ago. Two or three, yeah. Let's use Peppers as the comparison here. What if that's what Lovey wants? Lovey gets? Casario agrees with him? I just don't know that Lovey has that much power. Yeah. They kind of just sort of almost settled on him to have the job. Um, but he, he, here's why. Watch Lovey get fired. 
Yeah, I know. That's the other thing. I don't Seriously. know that he's 100% safe the way they're just rotating through coaches out there. Um, they do have that like two-quarterback system going. I, I would say it's likely he's still the coach there, but, like, I don't know. What if what if uh, that's on Sean Payton's list of teams he's he's interested in? I, and I don't Especially know that. first just, overall pick. Right, right. So... Although, if that's the case and they hire Sean Payton, then they're definitely going quarterback. Um, I, I just think it's something to think about, it, 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 which is another good reason for the Bears to be in. As, if you are at least get the number two pick, then you're still guaranteed Jalen Carter or Will yeah, Anderson. Yeah, it, it, just based on our conversations with Dane Brugler last week and David just now, it sounds like it's Will Anderson, Jalen Carter, and everybody else after that. Like, those two... Are your bona fide superstars, defensive starters in day one, potential all pro player year two, like that damn good of defensive players? Like that's the caliber player you're talking about. And then it's everybody else after that. Um, it would make the Bears' decision easier if Will Anderson went number one and you're left at number two to take Jalen Carter, but something to think about for sure. Yeah, it is interesting. Um, and the reason why, and we'll have way more time, obviously, over the next few months to go through some of this, but I did want to touch on some of those other guys because, um, you know, there is a scenario where the Bears could potentially trade back and maybe add another first. There's a bunch of teams that have two first-round picks this year. So um, just something to keep in mind. And so maybe some of those other guys we we talked with David about there will, will be in play later in the first round. Or as we always see, they slide into the second round. Then again, you don't have that number, uh, which would have been the number 33 overall pick because the Dolphins forfeited their first round pick. That one still hurts, John. Because <laughs> just got to get over it. But uh, yeah. All right. Well, any other final thoughts? No. I think we got an yeah. Eagles game to break down. No. Play the voicemails? I don't know. Oh, yeah, we have voicemails. I almost totally forgot. You know what? Real quick. I feel like I did have. I I wanted to touch on it. I know we talked about this post game, and I know you wrote about it, and rightly so. But even more so watching the game over. Sunday was an important game for that secondary. To see Kyler Gordon play that way, that might have been Kyler's best game of the season. Jalen Johnson. You look at this stat line and you're like, there's no way Jalen Johnson played well. To me, he was the highest graded player on the field. I thought he played excellent. He did excellent. play well. I, I feel like that 68-yarder was like, like if they're in a, to use up the boxing analogy, like that was the knockout punch in a great like a 10-round fight between the two, right? Like The th- coverage that's on how, that was... The coverage was good. Exceptional. Jalen Hurts great, throws a now, damn now good the, deep ball. Damn yeah, he, great he does. on that one. He had, now, he, now, Jalen Hurts had a couple throws in that game where I was like, where the hell is that going? But then some of those deep balls were just perfectly dropped in there where Jalen Johnson had him blanketed. Now, you got to get the guy down. That's the only thing I would say is you, you can't let him pick up another 30, 40 yards or whatever it was after the catch. Or at least got to get him out of bounds there when he's that close to the sideline. That would be my only criticism of that, that big play. But... Um, I anyway, think I just want- would tell you that A.J. Brown is kind of a problem, though, for all would-be tacklers. Yeah. But yes, at least grab the ankle, make it harder than that. Did you notice who was a, who was active in a DNP in that game? 
For the Bears? Yes. Kendall Vildor. Vildor, yeah. Active and a DNP. And Jalen Jones played well. Again, I thought not as well as Kyler Gordon, Jalen Johnson, but he still he still played like a starter, in my opinion. Jaquan Brisker as well. Um, honestly, DeAndre Houston Carson. DeAndre Houston Carson's just such a he's a glue valuable. Guy. Yeah, he's a glue guy. He's just he's so good on special teams. He knows he's like an extra coach on on the field. And then anytime the Bears have had a safety go down in recent years, he fills in pretty well. It's not perfect, but it, it, I mean that's another guy who like if I had to bet right now, he's back next year. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's a heart and soul. Like th- those are the players that kind of fill up a lot of rosters. Yeah, and the Bears got a very good one. And I don't know if I'm articulating that the, the best way that I can, but. As a glue player who plays in all special teams, who can fill in a pinch when there's injuries, like those players are invaluable in a lot of ways. And he's only been here. I feel like every year he's getting a one-year contract. Probably going to get the same. Yeah. Keep plugging away. He stays healthy, too, for the most part. Which, like, that was always Sherrick McManus's problem. Hamstring issues. Yeah, he would always, you know, he would always miss a few games every year with, with uh, soft tissue injuries, um, despite being like... DeAndre Houston Carson, a really good special teamer who could fill in on defense in a pinch. Um, but to your point, I felt throughout that game that the secondary was playing well. Gordon, yeah. Jalen Johnson specifically, my mind kind of changed on that 68-yarder, but I'm glad I stuck with the topic, at least that that angle. Like, well, these guys, the Bears have the worst defense in the league. Well, they're doing this wrong. with no D-line. Yes, yeah. yes, and that's part of it, right? Yeah. Those passes would not be perfect if you get Jalen Hurts off his timing and off his spot. Mm-hmm. It's just the truth. It's just the truth. You had to blitz to get him off that spot, and they generated some pressure. But again, you had to blitz like Kyler Gordon. Kyler Gordon blitzed on the sixty-eight yarder. He did. Um, I want to acknowledge one D lineman because I think it's the first time in like over a month that a Bears defensive lineman has actually graded out pretty damn well. That's how bad it's been. I thought Travis Gibson played well in that game. Okay. He got pressure. He touched the quarterback a couple times. I realized the bar is low. Um, there was but, one rush by Taco Charlton where I go to Kevin Fishbane. Like, whoa, look at that. Like, drove his, I want to say it was the right tackle. Maybe it was the tight end because I don't think it was Lane Johnson. Drove him all the way into Jalen Hurts. Yeah. And it's to the point where that feels notable because you don't see it a lot, though. Yeah. Well, and that is why we just had a guest on to talk about two defensive linemen. All right. Your voicemails from this game against the Eagles, and then we will get out of here. Here you go. Hello? Do you know who this is? Oh, you didn't know? Your ass better call somebody. Hogan John's voicemail. The Hogan John's voicemail line. Believe it or not, George isn't at home. Please leave a message at the beep. Got any questions or comments about the Bears? Give the guys a call before, after, or even during the game. Go Bears! Genghis in St. Paul after that ridiculous Justin Fields escape and what could have been a touchdown. 
Just got to say, that dude, if he decides football's not for him, definitely has a future doing jujitsu. Get him in the UFC. JF1, JFC. Bear down. Fields, you're amazing. Santos, leave Chicago now, you pathetic worm. What more do you want from Justin Fields? Every single person who has any criticism of him right now needs to look themselves in the eye and realize that he is individually by himself moving the ball against the best defense in the NFC. He's doing everything with literally no help. Literally no help. Yeah, Hogan John's going to have to go back to the Whiskey Cokes after seeing this debacle in the first half. Unreal. Kevin Jenkins goes out. Justin Fields gets sacked three times. Man, I'll just be happy if Justin Fields survives this game. And I'd be surprised if he even finishes it. Eberflus is looking at Trevor Simeon's way. So we'll see. Let's go, Bears. Bear down. Well, you can't. John D, babe. Someone tell this Bears team 2018 was just a couple of years ago, boys. I mean, Kyler Gordon interception, DHC interception. Defense has just been rolling today. Now, unfortunately, the offense, Justin Fields trying to do everything in his power with the uh, spare parts cast here today, but unfortunately, the offensive play callers playing this game on all uh, all Madden because we just seem to be dialing up every wrong play and every play that we can blow up. Can't even get a single net positive yardage, and we don't even trust our kicker within the 30 to 50, or from the 43-yard line, my apologies. I don't know what's going on here, boys, but we got to change something, otherwise it's going to be another loss here. Bear down. Hi, this is Valus Jones, Jr., the good news is the fact that I can't hang on to the ball don't matter because I'm so old I can get social security. Hey, hey. Oh, ho. Bayless Jones has got to go. Hey, hey. Oh, ho. Bayless Jones has got to go. Cairo, no. That's your thing. That's what you do. You can't just call in in the middle of a game. No, I'm not going to kick that. Dude, come on. Sluice, you're an idiot. Stop calling time out. The entire, every single person on your first string is injured. And you're calling timeouts at the end of the game like, hey, we can win with these guys we just got from the, the schoolyard. Stop calling timeouts, you moron. Let the game go. You lost. Oh, Lord. Hey, Holden Johns. The Dobkin soon needs to be fined and kicked out of the league for being the dirtiest player. What the hell? He took a little wind-up swing at Justin Fields' head when he was tackling in the first quarter. What a cheap shot from that douchebag. Death, taxes, and Bayless Jones fumbling. He might be the worst third-round receiver we've had, and that is invoking the name of Joaquin Iglesias. And I don't know what round Mark Bradley is, but he's pretty terrible. And I would not be shocked if he doesn't make the team at all next year because he is terrible. Hey, Bears fans, B-Man here. Justin may just be Spider-Man. Bear down! Okay, Cat, Jonesy Fab, it's about the Falcons calling in here from Soldiers Fields in Chicago on the lakefront. It was a beautiful day for some football, but unfortunately our Chicago Bears lost to the Philadelphia Eagles. It's really not that big of a deal, though, because the Bears are now statistically eliminated from Super Bowl contention. This year doesn't mean they can't win it again next year and the year after and the year after. And I guarantee that that's going to happen because Justin Fields looked amazing today. Uh, he had to go out because uh, Nathan Peterman came in for a couple of plays. And Nathan Peterman, man, looked terrible. 
And if the, if he, if Justin Fields had played the whole game, Bears win. No doubt in my mind. No doubt in the whole wide world. But it didn't happen. Oh, well. Move on. Uh, next week is uh, the, the Buffalo Bills. Bears should probably beat them. But uh, anyway, we got a couple more games left here this season. And uh, then we start for 2023 Super Bowl run. Let's go Bears. Chicago Bear, Bear Town. I think I think Bob's right. If, if Justin hadn't missed that one play, <laughs> that one third and 14, Bears win. Peterman went for it. I think the pass Dude. went 10 yards, 15 yards in, in that vicinity, right? I laughed when I rewatched it yesterday because it's like he came in and he's like, he went it for up. it, right? Like he's he, like, um, he was still short of the sticks, okay. but the guy was not open. But like, you know how like when you're watching on not the coach's film, but just on the TV angle, you usually can't see like where they're throwing if it's more than you know a yeah. check down. He threw that ball like the guy was wide open. Like he, like it, there was, he's like, I'm with purpose this and conviction. <laughs> this is my one play. And then the camera pans and it's like, oh no, he's uh, covered and that's incomplete. Punting. <laughs> no. Yeah. All right. Um, Good stuff on the voicemails. Thanks for everybody calling in. And uh, well, we'll be back Thursday. We've got a preview episode. Bears and Bills coming your way on Christmas Eve. And uh, the snow is coming. The cold is coming. We'll have some interesting quarterback conversation in that podcast. Yeah. It's too bad this game. Like, the Bears were good. Imagine Justin Fields, Josh Allen, two Super Bowl contenders going head-to-head in the cold, I think the snow is going to be gone by then, but just cold Christmas Eve game like that. That's something that could be like one of those like memorable games that like it's talked about for a long time. Yeah. I still think it'll be entertaining. Justin Fields will still oh, give too. you yeah. three to five plays where you're just like, wow, the Bears have them. And, but then like after that, you realize they have all these injuries at receiver. I don't know who's starting at right tackle or right guard. Who's going to rush Josh Allen? Um, who's going to get hurtled by Josh Allen? <laughs> it's going to be one of those type of games by the end of it. All right, well, we're it out of here. Though. We'll keep it interesting. I think, it, it like just like Sunday's game, it, with Justin Fields, the games are still entertaining. And there's going to be that one big play that everybody's going, oh, my God. Uh, all right. We're out of here. Follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, at Adam Johns. Thanks for uh, thanks to David Ubbin for coming on today. We appreciate that. Hope everybody enjoyed the episode and some of the draft talk with these SEC draft prospects. Uh, read Johnsy on The Athletic, theathletic.com slash Hogan Johns. You can read me at allchgo.com. Uh, merchandise, if you're looking for last-minute gifts, obviousshirts.com, gifts memberships available too for both CHGO and The Athletic. So check it out. Uh, hit subscribe on YouTube. Hit that like button. We appreciate you. Hit the notification so you know we go live. And uh, most importantly, if you got some Bears fans over for the holidays this week, you tell them about the podcast. Word of mouth is huge. Um, send them a link. Shoot them a link on your phone, email, text, whatever. Just say, hey, check it out. We appreciate everybody who does that. All right. We'll be back Thursday. Talk to you then. See ya. Anyway, uh, who cares? 
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.